Hello and welcome to the Section 109 podcast. That big sigh you heard on the way in was actually Matthew sighing at a bad joke of mine for once. Just kidding. Wild. Just kidding. Sometimes, it was sometimes it happens. Just kidding. It was a very good joke. It was all, a sigh of jealousy because he didn't think of it first. That's right. All my jokes are good. Guess who I am in this? Uh, welcome back, boys. We are here to talk about the 10. If you have not listened to our last episodes, listen to those, especially the 8, because these 8 and 10 episode are going to interlace, I think, a lot. And I think you're going to want to have uh, listen to them together because I don't. I think there'll be some stuff you'll miss. Um, all right. Let's just jump straight into it. Let's do it. Smitty, talk, hey. to me. talk to me about what a 10 is before we get to types of 10s. That is a great question. Classically, I've been saying classically a lot lately. Classic. As Breezy opens some beer, what are you drinking? This is a Lovebird. It's a little old now, but it's Jack from Jackalope. It's there. Um, this is probably from last uh, last year in the summer, but it's wonderful. It's a Hefeweizen with, uh, I think it's raspberries. My God, he's drinking last season. Strawberries and raspberries. Wheat beer. Sorry, it's not a Hefeweizen. just a wheat beer brewed with strawberries and raspberries. So last season. So last season. So classically, a 10 is your luxury player. The everything good that Spe- comes... Speaking of last season. Everything good that comes from your team. <laughs> hold, on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Breezy was very, very strongly flipping off Matthew. <laughs> If if listeners could only see the gestures that happen, uh, if looks could kill, Matthew be dead. Yeah, uh, he would have been dead a long time ago. That's true. So many bad jokes. Uh, All right, back to what it's in is. What's so, a what's a luxury player? When you say luxury player, yes, I'll get to that. Okay. So, um, your everything good that comes from your team typically comes from your 10. So everybody else is working really hard. They get the ball to the 10. The 10 passes it to somebody so they can score a goal. Or the 10 may score a goal on their own. The 10 is a luxury player because it's a luxury to have them on the field. What that means is that person probably isn't playing a ton of defense, which is why it's considered a luxury player. You can't have more than one luxury player. That's why Man United are trash this year because they've got too many luxury players. PSG are not as good as they should be because they've got too many luxury players. You have to have people defend as well as as work in the attacking half. Defenses are just too good to allow you to score, you know, five, six goals every game. Now, are there non-luxury tens? There absolutely are. And I think we'll get into this a little bit more when we talk about the types of 10s, because when we've talked previously about pressing, your 10 has to be able to press, whether they're a wide 10, which we'll talk about, or a 10 that plays a little bit more in the center of the field, they have a defensive responsibility. So we talked about the six in the past. It's very common in modern soccer for your 10 to man mark the six who is your farthest back um, your farthest back midfielder to try to keep them from getting the ball because typically your center backs are going to go to the six. The six goes out wide or to a, another midfielder, and that's how you progress the ball. If you can keep the six from progressing a ball, then you got to play a longer pass, which has lower accuracy, so you have a better chance of getting the ball back. Interesting. So what you're suggesting is maybe this season, and we don't know yet, obviously, for sure, for sure, but you might see one of our tens 
or one of our sixes, depending, but one of the players on the field potentially push up on the six, the opposing six, if they're playing with a single six, to help mark them out of the game, kind of like basketball, where you you guard that one player or in the NFL where you double team a guy. It's getting somebody on that player to make it difficult so they can't get the ball and stymie that offense by taking that outlet away. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think that'll probably be one of our eights. I was just I, to say. Yeah, I think our tens are going to be a little bit more of a wide player, which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, and they'll be, you know, we'll talk about wide attackers in another episode, I'm sure. Um, but it's, you know, it's going to be interesting. All right. So let's go to types of 10 before we dive into how exactly we think we're going to play the 10. Matthew, tell me a little bit. Now that we've talked about just 10s as a whole, especially in, a little bit more on luxury 10s. Tell me about some magicians, playmakers, trequartista, that that kind of 10. Wait, what was that word you just said? Trequartista. It's an Italian word for three quarters. It's somebody who stays in the three quarters of the field. And in the past, in the back in the day, when like true luxury tens, they did almost no defending. They just stood at the ha- at the three quarters line, received the ball, turned, and either made the pass or the shot, and played only offense. Have you ever played five aside with a player who doesn't come back at all ever and doesn't do any sort of defensive work? Um, yes, I, I, I have, and have, I, I it was me. I yell at those people really hard. No, Matthew, you're a very hard. You're, worker. you're actually a very hard worker, Matthew. Five very aside. hard worker. He more he's more hardworking than he would care to admit. So that's what a true. Trequartista used to be. Now, that doesn't mean like people didn't play it differently, right? Yeah. And we can talk about some of those things. But in Italy, they used to have players that were so such magicians on the ball, mm-hmm. which is another word for a similar kind of player, that they played almost no defense or actually no defense. So the, the marking the six that you were talking about didn't happen. Right. But these players were so good that they were able to stay on the field anyway because their offensive output was that and teams had not evolved tactically enough to take advantage mm-hmm. of that missing player. Whereas nowadays, I would argue there's one luxury 10 currently playing in Europe's top five leagues. Who? Papu Gomez. So for when he was at yeah. Atalanta, he was a true luxury 10, played no defense. Pure classic 10. Defense is overrated. And at, <laughs> at Sevilla, uh, I have not watched a ton. I've watched a little bit. He's playing a little wider, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's... So he, they're, they are still running the game through him a little bit when he plays. But he's not... Uh, he's tasked with doing a little bit more because Sevilla's a little bit more of a... Uh, they're to play a different system. But yeah, yeah. Papu Gomez was like what, the only player on a high-level team that I know about that was a true just luxury player that was playing zero defense but was still good enough to stay on the field because the entire game ran through him yeah and so i want to i want to break this down even more yeah let's go so the three quarters definition um that you talked about which is the meaning of say it again i can't say it as well trequartista that um so that means three quarters midfielder so you can just say trequartista that works too but trequartista yeah roll your r's yeah i mean i can i just don't want to right now uh so um, that definition, three quarters midfield, is important because that player is playing in the, th- you know, between the third and fourth quarter of the field, closer to your goal, which is between lines. A line is what we talk about whenever we talk about a formation. So we've been talking a lot about a four-three-three. You've got your line of four. Yep, your line of four defenders. You've got your one. Um, holding defensive midfielder, you've got your two eights, and then you've got your three attackers. That third quarter of the field is between your defensive line and your six. Nobody is in that area. So the the trequartista 
they want to be in that area so nobody knows who's going to mark them. If somebody comes to try to defend, step towards that player to keep them from getting a pass, there is a hole somewhere else in the field that another player um, can can take advantage of. And so just to jump forward for a second, we saw a pretty classic, and I don't mean that he played no defense, but offensively, we had a pretty classic trequartista role for Juan Hernandez and Luis Trude back in 2014, 2015 at the top of a different, it was a different formation. It was a, a, a diamond in the midfield. So it was, it was two eights, it was a six, two eights, and the 10 right above them. So it didn't, it wasn't, two tens or two six or sorry, it wasn't two tens or two eights. It was two eights and then a 10 above them and then two strikers. And you saw a Juan Hernandez or a Luis Trude who, who definitely did more running than we're giving credit for in, in this, what we're talking about. Uh, those, those guys did some defense, but offensively they were in that space. They thrived at the edge of the box or 10 yards before the edge of the box, where if your center back or your six stepped up, they might slip the ball into a Chris Oching or somebody who's going to score that goal, Will Roberts. They were slipping that ball in if they and if they didn't mark them, they might score that goal too. Yeah, thinking about our our goal episode that we did, um that was Juan Hernandez's goal against the Georgia Revs. He got the ball at the top of the box, nobody was on him. He took a touch, curled it into the top corner because he was in between those defensive lines. Being in between the defensive lines is very very helpful. Matthew, talk to me a little bit more about maybe some players who who might play the the tre, the trequartista, the playmaker role in in modern football now, and then maybe who have played for CFC as well. So let me do CFC uh, from the past because that's a little bit more of my wheelhouse than okay. than modern football. Um, I would say Juan's a great example of this. Luis Trude's a great example of this. I would throw in Cam Woodfin in in 2017 and in 2019. Yeah, and and I leave out 2018 specifically because uh, I think Cam had some had some injury issues uh, every now and then a little bit in 2018, but also he was used a little bit wider uh, during that stretch. Uh, my thing, my thing with with tens is they can score sometimes, and they and they occasionally will get will get a few goals. But I'm more interested in the pass that leads to a goal, an assist, and I'm really you're interested re- in the yeah, hockey. You're way assist. more interested about the pass before the pass. So if you think the about MLS assist, nerd, the MLS it, assist, it's a hockey assist. Thank you. Uh, it's not a stat. If you think about a ball that's played centrally, let's say from a, a six or an eight, or, or even from an outside back into the ten. Bless God you. God bless you. Bless you. you scared yeah. the shit out of Mix. Yeah. So sorry, Mix. And may probably Toby too. I didn't see Toby. Was Toby freaking out? Toby, Toby's freaking out a little bit. Uh, His ears are shaking. So if, if you think a ball played in, and I'm, I'm going to assume it's like, but you know, it's between lines and gaps because of that position that the 10 usually occupies. The pass that I'm really interested in is the ball they play, and I'm going to see it's out wide in this scenario to, to positions we'll cover in the future the 7, the 11, the, the right winger or the left winger. 7 and 11 are the right winger and left winger, to be yes. clear. Yes. Uh, that ball goes out wide, and in this scenario, that player crosses it in for the, the striker, the 9, to finish. That's I like that from the 10 way more than a direct, a direct assist because you're able to destabilize the defense. And... Uh, 
Cam was very, very good at that. Yeah, so if you um, look back at the stats, and you're the stat man, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we go back to 2018, 19, and 20. If Cam or Juan, this is not as much of the case in 2021, but the, in 2021 we saw it uh, from, with some different players, but in 17, 18, 19, 20, in those years, for the most part, if Juan or Cam were not making the pass for the assist directly to the shot or the pass before the pass, so the MLS assist, the hockey assist, the the pass before the assist we weren't scoring those those two Often, guys yeah. those two guys at one point i think had all had the either the pass or the pass before the pass for like all but six goals or something that season it was something crazy like that in one of those seasons and that was that that continued to be that and what i think what that tells you though with that assist and that uh, stat excuse me and why you like that stat so much why i appreciate the pass before the pass statistic is it does show you who is creating that space who is destabilizing that defense and who is doing the creative thing that is making it lead to a chance. It doesn't mean that it's all of all them, but it does show that the offense is running through them. And we saw Cameron Woodfin and Juan Hernandez, the offense ran through one or both of those guys for a long stretch of CFC's history. You still need the guy that can actually score the goal. You still need the guy that can deliver the final ball. Can I make an appeal? Sign a fucking striker. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. I, I hope, this also I hope may this, this also out. may come out like after say, three, yeah. three or four weeks from now because we're doing a little bit of a batch session behind the scenes. So we probably have signed three strikers when you guys I, are listening to this. I hope, hey. you, I hope you look like a moron. <laughs> I, I hope I, I I think Breezy hopes he looks like a moron too. I hope to be issuing an apology on this podcast for for that. But you know what? Sign a fucking striker. One of my favorite things in the world, and I think you're the same, is being proven wrong. On like, things that I want, yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely, like I love it. I take I take contrary opinions uh, just so that I can be proven wrong to put like that little energy into the universe. No Here's the thing: way. I'm right right now. We need a striker. Anyway, um, conti- <laughs> oh my God, continuing. Speaking of strikers, <laughs> um, looking at Ian McGrath. So we're talking about different types of tens. Yes, Ian McGrath played the ten under Peter Fuller. Yeah. Um, Good part of the last two seasons, like the a season classic, and a half. The, the classic target attacking midfielder. <laughs> yeah, so Matthew, can you dumb it down for us a little bit? When I say dumb it down, I mean like explain it to us like we're five. Like Explain kind of how Ian McGrath played the 10 a little bit, please, for, for Peter Fuller. And then if you could also maybe contrast that a little bit with some of the guys we've already talked about who mostly played under Bill Elliott for a lot of those periods. So that, that was a different formation, but you know, contrast a little bit so we get a picture of how the 10 has been played in CFC's history. So Ian McGrath, I don't think truly fits into a category, a, a typical category for a type of 10. Yes. Because he wasn't, he wasn't one of those like classic magician 10s. He's not a second striker, which we can talk about in a little bit. He's not one of those kind of wide creator tens or winger tens. He's not a box to box midfielder. He's not a box to box midfielder that's playing a little bit higher. Um, and he's not. He's not even what I would classify as an industrious ten, which is to say, you're not creative at all. You're asked to do box to box sometimes and second striker sometimes. You're asked to just work really, really, really yeah. hard. And you're saying that's not what he was. No, no. Ian was Ian was 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 a target man nine, which we can talk about in a future in, episode. In body. In body, playing as the ten because he was better he was better when it came offensively 
to being able to run onto things late. Well, and his technical ability was different from that of a classic number nine, which yes. we'll talk about in a different episode. Yeah. He, I agree with you completely. He fit no box perfectly. And one of the reasons I would argue we were so successful in the end of 2020 was we built a team around a guy who didn't fit any in any one box. So we made a box that he could fit in. And I would argue didn't fit really anywhere else in terms of other other teams. No yeah. one really knew how to use him. And unless you were willing to build something around him, he didn't really like he's been played in his career, Ian McGrath. He's been played as a nine. He's been played as an eight. He's been played as a six. He's been played as a, a center back. Because everyone saw the six foot five dude and was like, <laughs> well, you're not a 10. And the thing is, it's six foot five dude with pretty soft feet. Yeah. Good passer. Great late arriver. Like you said, and when we say late arriving, so let's dive a little bit into this soccer nerdery. Late arriving, meaning the let's say the play is happening. The ball is getting towards the end of the field. It's about to be a cross back. There's mm-hmm. a if you are playing ahead if you've already got to the goal mouth where and you're trying to score and the ball is now arriving at that same place uh, on the latitude right so the ball is now arriving at the end of the field and you cross straight back over you're likely crossing into the defender that is chasing you so if you're running down the right side of the field that left back is probably chasing you and you're trying to cross through them that doesn't usually work now a late arriving player might be a few steps behind you and running in the middle of the field. And then when you're crossing back to them, you're actually crossing backwards on the field as you get to the end of the end of the field. So you're crossing back against the player that's and past the player, hopefully that is marking you back into the middle or, or maybe there's a shot and it bounces off and that player is coming later. They're not in front of the play. They're coming behind the play. So they're able to clean up stuff. So you saw him, you saw Ian with his go-go gadget legs clean up some balls across the box and in. Mm-hmm. You saw him hit balls that bounced back out off of players. He was often arriving slightly later to the play. Not that he was tardy, like he was too late. It was that he was arriving later than the first wave of attackers, and he was capitalizing with that whole game in front of him on making good shit happen. I'll try yeah. to remember re- remember this when we talk about forwards, but in the box, you, there were traditionally three runs you make. There's the run to the near post. There's the run to the far post. When you and, say when you say near post and far post, explain those a little bit. If you're on the right-hand side of the field uh, looking to cross the ball, the the goal has two posts, and we classify the near post as the one that's closer to the ball. When it's being crossed. Yes, mm-hmm. and the far post is the one further from the ball. Got it. Typically, nines, four strikers, make the run near post. Uh and they do so because in often in crossing situations, unless you've got an absolute opportunity, you have to have someone who's dangerous enough to warrant a defense to go with that person. And maybe it's a take a center back with you. Maybe it's to freeze the goalkeeper a little bit. You have a far post run so that you have you have someone in, in both angles. And, and those runs have to be staggered, by the way. Because if you run, if everyone arrives at the same time, that ball will probably not hit any of you. Yeah. And then you have a, a you, then you have a late arriving run kind of at, at, in the middle at the top, so they make a little bit of a triangle. McGrath was often going to be the late arriving run at the penalty spot, roughly in the middle, or he was going to be the far post run. And I think you can actually see that uh, a little bit. He's slightly off center, but it's similar to that in his run for CFC's first ever professional goal from a corner. He's in the essentially the middle of the box, unmarked because they didn't mark him on the run. And he just powers it home from, again, he's not perfectly in the middle of the goal, but he's making the slightly later 
run, or at least the the run that doesn't get marked. He's he's making he's making a, a latish run, but he's also making a run to the back post there. And when I say when I say there are three runs, I typically mean that in in open play, not off of set pieces, because set pieces are their own animal entirely. Although the concept is still the same, you want someone near, you want someone far, you want someone wherever they are. That was a terrible pun. Um, I hate you. God damn. So if you want to put a label on Ian McGrath, the closest you would get is a second striker, which is completely different from having two strikers. We'll talk about a striker, which is also called a number nine. We'll talk about that in a future episode. A second striker is different than the playmaker because they're normally a little bit closer to the defensive back line, but they may drop into the midfield a little bit more to pick up the ball. Also, we've been talking about those late arriving runs. That's huge because a lot of times your defense is focused on the striker. The defense is focused on the two wide attackers, and then they're focused on the guy that has the ball. That late arriving run could be something that no one's focused on because that person there, we're not thinking about him. He's on the other side of the field. Especially if those defensive midfielders don't track that run coming in. Yeah. That's how you end up with with your 10 or whoever making a late arriving run, have a, just an opportunity where everyone's like, how are they this open? Mm-hmm. I think speaking of second strikers, that's a type of 10 that we've included here, right? We've chosen to classify a second striker. We're not talking about a necessarily a big and small they can be that with a two up front we're talking about somebody who plays a little bit more withdrawn so that we've talked about the we haven't talked about the details of a nine but we've talked about the nine slash striker plays up top it's the point of the spear literally your 10 that plays as a second striker and in world football i think we all agreed pre-podcast the person playing at the highest level currently is thomas Mueller for Bayern munich and even though he assists and he's currently got like He's, he may break some records this year for assists. Generally speaking, he's a guy who score is more likely to score than assist, and he's going to play. He'll play deep some, but he's going to play up near the striker, but still behind the striker as like a second person late arriving in the box to pass or shoot, usually shoot, and they are a much bigger offensive threat to score than somebody. So Juan Hernandez can score. You expect him to assist. Ian McGrath can assist. You expect him to score playing yeah. in the same positions. So I, I, I think I want to make a clarification on something I said earlier. When we're talking about a second striker, as it means at ten, that's more of my, that's a little bit more of my industrious ten. Like their responsibilities are less creative, more running, more finishing. Whereas, and we're talking about this when we get to the nine episode, the second striker as a nine, is more of your. Uh, I, I think of them as as more of a you're playing off of something else, more of your your small and a tall and small. Yeah, your your Romelu it, it, Lukaku it, and it, Lautaro yeah. Martinez. As, I mean, that's as far as we'll go. So with I don't that I now. don't totally. Somebody tell us what you think. So the way I think about a second striker is the we have the the Trey the Trey Quarista that we talked about previously. They're playing in the third quarter of the field um, between the defensive lines. The second striker does the exact same thing but like 10 to 15 yards further in the field. They're trying to find that open space inside of the penalty area so that they can take advantage of that. 
but not as far up as the striker usually. Right. Now, to your point, they're going to run. They're going to do a lot more because they're a midfield player, not not as far forward. They will have a defensive really responsibilities. Good, a really good example All of players that have defensive is like three or four years ago, Deli Ali was scoring goals for fun. He is like the prototypical second striker along with Thomas Muller. Like they're very similar players. They can they can score, they can assist. Mostly what they are responsible for is taking advantage of space weaknesses in the opposing defense. Especially taking advantage of space and weaknesses that are vacated because of mm-hmm. following the actual striker around. Yeah. So Breezy, why is it not a striker that's going to take advantage of those spatial weaknesses. So it, there are strikers who take advantage of, who play on the back shoulder. So there are strikers who certainly, I, I would argue that Marcus Nagelstad definitely did some of this, right? He liked to play on the back shoulder, try to get into space, try to sneak in and get in space where they're not. I mean, you can see some some goals he scored by sneaking in and being real, like just a, a real bastard finishing at that back post, like making sure that like, oh, I've, I should have followed that. You know, you can just see defenders going, fuck, man, where did he come from? Like, where did he move? But I do think most of the time, like you said, most of the time, though those guys are going to be followed around by two two center backs. And probably one of those center backs is going to man mark that guy. So, and they're going to pass off between. So like one center back is going to be like, all right, you got him. All right, I got him. All right, I mean, just man mark him the whole time. If you have a second forward who's more of a midfielder, so they're still dropping deep, they're not just playing alongside of that second forward. They're able to, while that player is getting man marked and passed between the two guys, pay attention and then be opportunistic and sneak into those spaces because they're not always there, so they're not getting keyed on as much. And if that striker is dangerous, those players are much more keyed in on that striker who's four yards ahead of them and 10 yards from goal when that second striker slash 10 might be 15 yards or 30 yards from goal, probably closer to 30 at that point. And so they're, it's not the immediate threat. And by the time they make, they, they realize, by the time they make contact, like, oh, no, they're in. Yep, and they're farther back because the defense, they can't focus on them. You can't follow that person around because that person's going to go all over the field because they're trying to take advantage of the space. So if you've got somebody following that person to defend them, there's going to be a huge gap somewhere else in the field that another player can take advantage of. Smitty, why do you think that we uh, we see less of those? I mean, we have – so uh, I mean, you guys can't see this. But we have a show doc with um, – uh, we have some, a bunch of iconic tens, and we have a bunch of wide with some wide players. We have a bunch of like players in the middle that are creative magicians, trequartistas. Like we only have one agreed upon second striker in this. We have three listed, but both of you guys were like, eh. Like, why? Wh- do you think that's a harder position to play in modern football, Matt? Do you have opinions on this? Many opinions on this? Yeah, for sure. So it's you don't see it a ton because nobody really knows what it is. Um, and Thomas Muller has dealt with this his entire career. He is not a, yeah. he's not an attacking midfielder, like classically what a number 10 would be. He's not a striker. He's not a winger, which is a wide attacker. He's not a midfielder. He is none of those things. And he's played in all of those positions ostensibly over the years. Right. And he doesn't do as good when he does. But when he has a coach that just lets him be him and worries about the other nine players on the field, he's deadly. Now, you can't have that unless you've got a certain type of qualities in other positions to allow for that player to be that. The reason you don't see it a ton 
is because it, it is very, I watched, I've watched Tottenham for years. Deli Ali would be completely non-existent for an entire game and still somehow score two goals. It like, it's, it's like, but you're like, dude, he, what is he actually doing? And he's like, he, he's just on the end of a play, putting into the back of the net or making a, a pass over or between a defender to, you know, somebody else to score. Yeah. But they don't do anything else otherwise. Matt, do you have uh, anything to add to that? I think I buy that. Uh, it's because there are a lot of times there are players who, sorry, players who thrive in that role oftentimes are because they can't quite cut it at the, and I don't mean this like, like, so Lautaro Martinez. Yeah. Their specialty isn't what the other roles that we've defined yes. are. Yes, correct. I, so I'll, I'll not talk about a modern player again. Uh, in, in terms of like a second striker or, or an industrious 10 type player, uh, I think a really good example here to, to bring it back to CFC is Sean Hofstadter. He was now Sean was often played at the nine for us, uh, for for various, out of necessity most of the mostly time. out of necessity. I think his best position was as a second nine or as a as a, a late arriving ten. Think back to also Zeka in twenty twenty. Yes, uh, but Zeka also was tasked with being the 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 almost target man at times, even though we had Ian McGrath. So who was really the, the target 10 McGrath or Zeka was occupying the center backs in that type of way. Uh, if you think back to, if you think back to Louisville city, the, the preseason game right before the legends cup in 2021, the goal that gets the, the, the opening goal by Sean is maybe the, the, the most like quintessential how, uh, when 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 Sean was when Sean was playing well when the team was playing well Sean was playing the ten I think Brian was the nine Brian Beam it was the nine and a ball comes in you know Kasak does Kasak shit crosses the ball in and you know Beeman's making a run some other person's making the other the other nine was making a run somewhere in there and there's Sean Hofstadter just bang cleaning it up at the top of the box for the opening goal that's where Sean really really excelled. Uh, he he was I mean he was a forward in college, but his back to goal and a center back and a midfielder <laughs> and a keeper. His back to goal game was not was not great, but he was he was industrious. He ran all the time. He pitched it on defense. He played the six bunch mostly as the second six for us. Uh, but where he really excelled and when the team excelled was when he was playing as a ten, and and we would call it kind of a goal scoring ten. Um. Uh, and so I made I made the distinction earlier about like second strikers because when we say striker we're thinking nine as opposed to a, a ten you know a, a ten archetype position wise and I think I think that that difference is important and I think it'll matter a lot when we talk about forwards yeah and also Sean doesn't fit as a classic nine he doesn't fit as a ball playing ten to make all the passes and whatever else. He, a little bit like Ian McGrath, different players, right? But they don't quite fit like Thomas Mueller doesn't quite fit, but they can still be productive if put in a position where they, in spaces where they can thrive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little more, a little bit more about the wide creator. And we have in parentheses here written the modern 10. Smitty, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. The reason it's a modern 10 is because the types of players that we've talked about so far typically are a little bit more of a luxury player. They don't have quite as much defensive responsibility. Now, now that you can, you can point to examples, but a lot of times they have their 
more closely aligned with what an eight is. They just have they're they're just better attackers than you would typically think from a box to box midfielder or something like that. A wide creator is really what Cam Woodfin was in our um, in PSL days. He looked like you know he he was way more close to the sidelines, but a lot of our creativity would come from that either start with the with the pass before the pass or the pass directly um, that's where a lot of your creativity comes from the reason you would move that player out wide is because they're not as important defensively as somebody that's in the middle of the field yeah so in the middle of the field you're gonna just based on where you're sitting probably need to play more defense if you're going to be defensively sound so i think if you think about the modern game, Messi and Neymar. Now, Messi drifts a lot. Neymar drifts a lot. They're allowed to have a lot of positional flexibility. Mm -hmm. But part of that is because it is not as important in most systems that the winger be super defensively disciplined because they're, the dangerous attack is only half the time or less than half the time when it come down their side. Whereas the middle of the field, Maybe three quarters of your attacks you could get to because you're in the center. So you can kind of scoot to the left and, and defend. You can scoot to the right and defend. So that middle person might need to do a lot more defending, whereas your wide player may be able to have a little more space to not defend and it not hurt you as bad on as many plays. So you, you, you see Neymar play on the left side for... He played on the left side for Barcelona. He plays on the left side mostly for... Uh, PSG for um, Brazil. He's not tasked with doing that much defending, though he still does some. It's not he's not useless defensively. And Neymar or Messi, excuse me, the same thing. Now both of those guys drift and get to kind of pick up the ball where they choose free, a bit more free rolls. And a free roll meaning they don't have to stay in one part of the uh, field. They can drift around to the areas they think is more important to pick up the ball. Yeah. But those I think are the best two. Guys, I can think of right now in the modern game, and you're talking about Messi being arguably the greatest player of all time and Neymar being one of the best players of this generation, best creators at least. Those are two players that kind of embody the modern 10, yeah. which is a very similar player that 15, 20 years ago, 20 years ago more like, would have been absolutely 100% of the time in the center of the field. Mm -hmm. Now they're out wide, but they're still doing the jo same job that was done in the center. The whole offense runs through them, get them the ball, and let them dictate the whole game yeah and and we'll probably differentiate a little bit when we talk about wingers in an episode because they are very different types of players i strongly recommend everybody go watch a match and just focus on Lionel messi um he does this he has this really unique characteristic where he just kind of waddles around the field like a penguin and it looks like he's being lazy but what he's doing is he's letting the play evolve around him. And if he's not anywhere, nobody really knows where he's going to be. So everybody else, they're making runs past him and, you know, the ball's moving around, defenders are moving around. And then all of a sudden a space opens up, Messi takes off, somebody dinks the ball over a, a defender and boom, um, he scores a goal. Another thing when you're watching a game that I, I learned from Total Soccer Show in some of the, I think it was actually in a Soccer 101 episode that we've we've mentioned before, but if you're if you're wanting to get nerdy and you don't want a CFC bent to it, uh, check out Soccer 101 from T from TSS, the Total Soccer Show. It's it's an awesome podcast about all sorts of history of soccer stuff. And I, I said this before, but if you don't know what the offside rule is or you you struggle a little bit with the offside rules, I'm telling you they have many different ones of 85 episodes, I think. But that episode, for example, explains to you in audio form how the offside wor rule works, where it came from, 
and will give you, I mean, it, it taught me all sorts of things and I thought I knew what it said. That being said, uh, Taylor and Daryl, rest in peace, Daryl, explained how they watch soccer games. And I think this is, uh, if you want to be a, if you want to be a soccer nerd and that's part of how we're, we're couching this, this series, right? You want to be a soccer nerd or you're becoming a soccer nerd. When you watch, it is much more valuable to watch not where the ball is going and the ball when it's happening and watch everything else on the field that's happening. So if the ball's at, if the right back has the ball and you're watching what the left back is doing, what the left winger is doing, what the midfield and the center are doing and not watching the ball, and then of course you're going to end up seeing where the ball goes. You will learn so much more about what's going on. If you've never thought like, I don't know what, I don't know what formation they're playing. Well, that's because you're probably, like most of us, just watching the ball. Because if you're just following the ball, you don't see the whole field. But if you can zoom out a little bit, don't watch the ball, you're going to end up seeing the ball. But watch the rest of the field. Watch how everybody's moving. It's easier to pick out. But my point being is if for anyone that's trying to figure out what we're playing and how we're playing, if you're watching the ball, you're only getting 15% or 20% of what's going on. Yeah. One thing I want to point out about wide tens uh, or, or these wide creator type tens is... Oftentimes in modern football, the world, the world, modern high level football is, is, is gone. This is America. It's called soccer. The Dutch have won now. Like you were required to be able to play a little bit on the wing, a little bit in the middle to do those, like find those half spaces and like players have to be able to do those things now. Uh, just it doesn't. It, it's not like a oh, this is just a Barcelona thing now. This is just a Manchester City thing now. Like you're pretty much required, no matter where you go, to be able to like play like multiple positions, at least like multiple half positions, just like based on where you end up on the field. Burnley would like a word. A word. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just kidding. Keep going. You're 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 right. They can give me that word from the championship. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a good thing. <laughs> so so when you've got uh let me, let me take it a CFC direction. So we moved we moved especially uh, at the, the very end Detroit away LA forced the semifinal in Detroit uh independent cup and the first 6 or so 7 games of the the Nisa fall season in 2021 we were playing a 3-4-3. We were playing with with three center backs with a flat four in midfield, two sixes, uh, two, two sixes, two sixes, two wing backs. One of them was was asked to do a little bit more eight ish stuff. Uh, hey, we we got enough numbers here. We can tie some stuff together, right? I like it, right? Uh, but two wing backs slash just wide midfielders, kind of doing the same thing that we talked about in that episode. The way the forwards worked was really like, like there was a nine, and we classified it as two tens. At times, it looked like it would be a left winger and a right winger, but it was truly two tens, occupying those like wide, wider spaces, being asked to sometimes be a winger, provide a little bit of whip, although you wanted the wing back to really do that mostly. Yeah. I mean, and that's the reason you can do that because you've got the wing back. They're yes. going to stay wide. That's where your width is going to come from. So yes. those wide attackers, they can come in a little bit more towards the middle. So early on, they might start out wide. And then they drift in as as the wing backs or the outside backs have an opportunity to get forward and and be the ones that take that space. Uh, but you saw like like Brett Jones would take that position. Marcus Nagelstad would take that position mm -hmm. as well because he often was not the actual nine. It was usually Hoff or, or Brian Beamett or 
I'm going to argue semantics and that would, he was a little bit more of a, a wide forward, which yes, is, which yes. is a different position may occupy similar parts of the field. And we'll talk about that in our attacking position episodes. But do you think with the, with how you just described how the 10 played in the last two years as being that wide uh, creator, do you think that there will be similarity in that to Rod's system? I think, I think in that, in that, in that phase where we were in a three four three with two wide tens, yes, I think we'll see. I think we'll see who were the who were the wide tens in that. Uh, I would I would say Brett Jones when he was healthy, Marcus when he was healthy. Uh, who are definitely both wide forwards. I want to be very specific. About. Yeah, I, I would I would yeah. say they're more they're more wide forwards. Which is but, where this all gets a little gray. But they were, but they were classified in the in the formation. They were classified as, as kind of really more tens. So that what the coach was asking them to do was play as more tens, even though they are wide forwards. And and like you saw that in the, the, the defensive work they were asked to do, dropping in. Although like all of our players were asked to defend, mm-hmm. um, and and that's really more of a twenty twenty one thing because in twenty twenty we were playing a little bit more of two sixes and a ten. Uh, so like the Ian McGrath. Type role and in early 2021, it was still Ian McGrath doing that kind of ten role, so it wasn't much so much of a wide ten in that in that time of in that time of year. So, how do you think that's going to change under Rod? So we've been we've been projecting so far in this podcast based on Rod's history, uh, what he likes, what he watches. We've been projecting a back four, two center backs, two outside backs. We're projecting a six, two eights. And two eights, not two tens right there. Two eights instead of two tens. So that means they're going to be tasked with going wide, we think, or staying, but still not being, they're going to do a lot more defensive work. So they're going to be further back towards their own half than the ten, than if we play with two tens in those positions. And then, and now, then it gets, and now it gets weird because you have the winger spots, which we haven't talked about wingers, but we'll do a little foray into that here. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm thinking right now. It's two ten. It's two eights, and then it's two tens, and then a nine, and those two tens. It's going to be. Uh, there's a political phrase. Personnel is policy. Uh, who you who you appoint in certain positions is more dictating what the policy that comes out of those positions will be. So, if we if we play say a. Damian Rodriguez or a uh, Brett Jones, they will play. Each of them will play the ten differently than each other, but they will both play the ten very, very differently from someone like a Juan Hernandez, who might be, who might be end up in one of the channels, on on, on in the on those ten side on the right side or the left side. When you but, say when you say end up in the channels, what do you mean? Uh, that's a complicated one. You gotta des- you gotta describe these things it's similar similar to what we were talking about with a half space. Yeah, it's yeah, not, that, that's not, good. that's good. Like it's a little bit more towards the middle. You know, think about um, um, American football. You've got your different lanes um, that go between um, your different offensive linemen. Channels are very similar to that on a soccer field. We talked about in a previous episode where the where the four positions of the of the the, the defenders line. The right center back, the left center back, the right back, and the outside back. The two center backs, if you just draw a line straight up the pitch from where they're positioned at their starting position, that is a decent scenario where the two tens might end up occupying to start. Uh, In between the, right, between the between the two center backs, or on no, no, each no, side no. of the center back. If it's one ten, probably in, in the middle, kind of in line with the six. 
if there's two tens, one to the right and one to the left, probably in line with the right center back and the left center back, if you draw the line straight up. So yeah. that position, half space, a channel, I would expect someone like a Juan Hernandez to be a little bit more static, uh, not moving around and, and, and occupying that kind of position. Whereas someone like a Damian Rodriguez, going to end up on the sideline, could end up in the middle, could be making runs in behind, could be coming short. Uh, Whereas Juan's more because, likely to, to be in that channel, stay in that channel more, and drop deeper, but not necessarily make the run behind and, def- and not end up on the sideline. Yeah. He's going to play it differently, not only being less mobile because he's a little bit older, but also being less mobile because he plays the game a little bit he's, less mobile. He's originally more of that kind of classic 10. Yeah, he's he's a he's a silky smooth passer, receive the ball a little half turn, turn the other way, whereas Damian might try to beat a guy because he wants to run 30 steps because he believes he's faster than that guy. Juan Hernandez doesn't think that's his game. Agreed. Yeah, so it really just depends on on who we end up putting in those positions. At Stumptown, Rod Underwood had uh, Luis Garcia Sosa, who's now at Cal United, uh, he Garcia Sosa would end up, could end up on the sideline, w- was willing to like to free roam a little bit to find the spaces to find the gaps, uh, but he also had other players that would would just like go all over the place, like truly go all over the place, in a, but more of a, like a driving type of way, as opposed to Garcia Sosa like to pass the ball a little bit more. So it really is going to depend on who who he puts in those positions. And it'll I bet it also depends a little bit on who he has as the eights. Because if he has a certain quality of eight, he may not need a certain type of ten. Because the eight can also provide that a little bit too. It just is going to depend on, on you know, and we still need some new signings to really be able to tell the, the fullness of where this could go tactically. Also, I think it's it's interesting here when we talk about wingers in a in a another episode. But having, I don't think you see a lot of teams play a four three three with two tens. It exists, it happens, but it's not super common. And so it's going to be interesting to see how we weave those things together. Usually, you have two eights or two tens, as Smitty said, in your as your midfielders, and then maybe two wingers and a striker, or you have maybe an eight, a ten, and then two wingers and a striker. They do exist. Again, I'm not saying this is like a, a... Rod's not reinventing the wheel here, but it's not super common to play with two eights followed by two tens followed by a striker. So I'm I'm very interested to see how that works. Can they continue to create chances? Do those eights overlap sometimes with the tens? And, or, or the outside backs. Like if you've got an outside back that is going to constantly be that width, bombing forward all the time, yeah, you think, may not need to think see... Think like KSAC. You may not need to see a 10 that that like goes out and becomes a winger at times. If you've got a if you've got a left back that's not going to get forward all the time, maybe your left-sided 10, like maybe they're the ones that drift out a little bit more to become to, to be the one that provides most of the width. And that does give a lot of credence to Matt's um, thought in in our episode about defenders that we may see some really 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 athletic outside backs because they're going to be tasked if that's the case in providing that width from the edges of the fields from box to box, end to end. And we don't currently have a left-footed player on the roster that makes sense. Don't you dare say Ian Saro. And <laughs> Saro. And and Travis Ward, I don't I, I'm not sure. I've not watched enough of him. Might make sense more. Tate Robertson, I don't know that he makes sense to go end to end to end to end. Yeah, that, that was kind of the realization I think I had maybe last episode. Maybe yes. or maybe no two episodes ago. Uh the one about uh, the one about defenders mm-hmm. where I think he projects well as as a as a as a right back, 
But if we want a super athletic outside back pairing, it may not be. He, he might, might be, be more suited for, for the eight for, for one of the eights. Yes, where he where he has to cover a lot of ground, but not as much as an outside back. Yeah, yeah. Boys, did we miss anything? Have we forgotten anything out of this that we were wanting to cover? I don't think so. I feel pretty happy. But if you guys feel like we did, make sure you give us a shout out on the internet somewhere uh, on the social medias or in person. Matthew, if they want to give you a shout out, where can they shout you out? You can find me on Instagram at I am Caniglio. You can find me on Twitter at Whiskey is Fine. Smitty. Find me on Instagram at a Smitty Nose. You can find the podcast on social media on Instagram and Twitter, uh, where producer Jay mans the buttons there at the Section One Hundred Nine Podcast. You can find me on the internet. One other thing: if you, uh, this is an appeal that is not related to the podcast, but if you are a fan and you're like, "Hey, I listen to this podcast and I, I like some of the this guys and I, these guys, and I want to get more involved as a fan," the Chattahooligans want you. Like, we want to have you involved. It's been several seasons of COVID and we're getting back to, to hopefully some sort of normalcy in this season. So we are starting up tailgates again. We are starting up social hours again, the last Wednesday of every month. And this is not, this doesn't matter if you listen to this now or late, maybe it will change in 2023, but in 2022, the last Wednesday of every month at Chattanooga Brewing Company, check the Facebooks for, uh, for stuff, but come out and join us, man. And by the way, you could come yell at us in person about how good or bad you think we podcast. Please do. Matt thrives off of confrontation. <laughs> and I will not say that I'm that much different. <laughs> uh, I am a sweet boy. Please don't yell at me. Just be nice to me. I love you, boys. Thank you for doing this. Listeners, we'll catch you later. Peace. Peace.